0: Good. So glad you're here. We're going to continue our series that we're simply calling Different. But before I do that, I got to say hello to you guys. Thanks for being here at church. You guys are the time travelers. I actually convinced my girls that uh, we were time traveling last night. So when they woke up this morning, they came out of their bedroom and they were looking around... And it really did look different, because it was dark, and Dad was already cooking breakfast, and usually they're up far before that, so (laughs) it was a good time. I was like, I feel like a dad win, because I made Daylight Savings Time fun for the first time in my entire life. (laughs) But thank you all for being here. If you're joining us online, want to say hey to you two. The Word of God is great, even whenever you receive it over the internet, but if you ever have a chance to join us here in person, I highly encourage you to do so, because the Word of God tells us to not forsake the gathering together, and yes, that does mean in person, because that's what he meant back then. It also says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Like, you don't want to miss out on this. So come join us sometime. We'd love to have you. But for those of you who don't know me, my name's Kate, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we are passionate about making a difference. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. The primary way we help people know God is through our Sunday services, right? What we're doing right now. Aren't you guys glad you get to get closer to God today than you were yesterday? You know, it's a journey and you can always get closer to God. And this series is kind of like the poster child for that mission. Let's look at our core scripture again for this series. John 14, verse 9, Jesus replied, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. So what we learned through that verse is that God is revealed through Jesus. If we want to know God, then we got to get to know Jesus, right? And lucky for us, there are four entire books of the Bible dedicated to the life of Jesus. We call them the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you've never done a study through those four books of the Bible, that's your next assignment because it's one of the most powerful studies you'll ever do. But through this series, we're working through the book of John and we're observing the way of Jesus and we're finding out that the way of Jesus is different Than the way of the world. So look at somebody next to you and say, Get ready for different. Last week we found out that to follow Jesus, we got to hate darkness. We don't hate people who participate in darkness. We don't hate people. We hate darkness. That's right. We also discovered that when Jesus referred to darkness, he was referring to, and it's really clear for us, aren't you thankful? Because sometimes we're left wondering these days, well, what is darkness exactly? Well, it's made clear in the Word of God. We like to kind of uh, neglect those scriptures, especially don't bring them up at church. Y'all can just read those in your own time. But what it says is that darkness is wild parties, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, immoral living, quarreling, jealousy, greed, obscene stories, foolish talk, all that stuff. Yep, that's what he was talking about when he said darkness. And we've also been warned that there will be people who try to excuse this darkness has anybody witnessed somebody trying to excuse the darkness, but we're not going to be deceived because what the word of God says is that, is that the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. And it says that in the new Testament, y'all this is something we got to think about. We should take no part in darkness except instead we should what expose it. The word of God says to expose darkness. Why? Why do we expose darkness so that people can be set free? Cause what sets people free? The truth is what sets people free. Not making them feel comfortable in their sin. Not making them, not making it legal for them to do certain things. That's not what sets them free. What sets them free is truth. And if we love them, we're going to share the truth. You see, truth and grace working together is how we lead people to Jesus. We can't have one without the other. We must love people enough to tell them the truth, even when they don't want to hear it. And then we should extend grace as we're patient as for them to step into the truth, because sometimes it takes some time. So let's not forget, though, this is very important. We can't earn our salvation. Does everybody know that? You can't earn your salvation. Everything I just talked about is a result of your salvation. You see, believing in Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Believing in Jesus. It's the only way to receive the power that you need to leave the darkness behind, because guess what? You can't do it by yourself. (laughs) You need his power working in you. Salvation comes first, and salvation is through believing in Jesus Christ. And when you believe in Jesus, what do you do? You follow Jesus. And he's with you every step of the way. Now, we ended last week in the middle of John chapter 3, and we were studying the conversation that Jesus had with a religious leader named Nicodemus. And then after this conversation, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside to do some baptizing. Wow, that was country baptizing. You know, this is one of the things I love about Jesus, though. He often retreated into what I would call the woods, where it was nice and calm, away from the hustle and bustle of the city. And I'm right there with him. I love going for a hike all by myself. So here they were out in the wilderness. They were baptizing people. And I imagine that it was like the most serene environment. Can you just put yourself right there? They're out in the wilderness baptizing people. Maybe we should have our next baptism at some random pond in the wilderness. No? think that'd be pretty cool but in case you're well john the baptist he was also close by baptizing so jesus was baptizing john the baptist was baptizing and in case you don't know john the baptist there's a quick introduction that they give us in the first chapter of john it says god sent a man john the baptist to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony so john's assignment was to prepare the way for jesus And he did this by baptizing people in water. Why was he baptizing people in water? So they could show that they repented of their sin and they were turning to God for forgiveness. And it's interesting because there's a John the Baptist anointing that's like spreading around the church right now. Like I'm not the only pastor that's been talking about leaving darkness behind, leaving sin behind and stepping into the light. I can't tell you how many sermons I've heard on YouTube over the past couple of weeks of pastors like preaching the same message as me, and that's just an indicator that the Holy Spirit is moving. And he's saying, i got to prepare my bride for, for my coming. we we got some cleaning up that we got to do, you know, because we've kind of gotten a little loose in the way that we do things. <clears throat> but everyone say, prepare the way. Yeah, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, and right now he's preparing the way for the second coming of Jesus. Amen. Now, I want you to remember this because it's all going to tie together here in a minute. But first, I've got to tell you a funny story. And it's in the Bible. John, like I said, Jesus and his disciples, they were over here baptizing. John and his disciples were over there baptizing. And John's disciples, they heard that Jesus was baptizing and they got upset. And they said, John, that's our assignment. What's Jesus doing over there baptizing? This is what we're supposed to be doing. And in today's work culture, the boss probably would have would have to go over to Jesus, right? And say, you know, hey, Jesus, I'm, I know you're probably a more qualified to baptize than John and his disciples, but you know, they're getting kind of upset. So can you, you know, you j- just stop, just stop. We can't have them getting upset. And really, we still act this way. Like John, the Baptist disciples, like have you ever been at church? You watched maybe who was singing or who was preaching and you thought I could do better than him. I should be the one preaching. I should be the one singing. I should be the one doing that. Don't raise your hand. You don't have to. But this is a true story about John's disciples. They were upset because Jesus and his disciples were baptizing. Maybe another example of this is how often one church will get upset with another church because they see the other church a uh, uh, prospering in a certain way, or and so we we hate that other church and we find it nitpicky things to say. Yeah, I can't believe you go to that church. I mean. Same kind of thing going on, right? But what does John the Baptist say whenever his disciples are over here complaining? Well, he says, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know, I plainly told you, I am not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. Everybody say, "Prepare prepare the way. And then John said something next level. He said, Jesus must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. Man, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say this before. Seriously, like we're so obsessed with climbing the corporate ladder and becoming the boss and developing a following that we would never elevate one of our coworkers over ourselves. We would never say, you become greater and greater as I become less and less. But John the Baptist had a rare mindset that really we all should adopt. My life is not about me. If you have your message notes out, go ahead and write that down. My life is not about me. No, I'm here to elevate God. And when I elevate God, that often means I'm elevating others above myself. We're here to serve, not to be served. That's our assignment. All right, so what I want you to remember about this story is that John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus. Everybody say, prepare the way. Prepare the way. He didn't come to build his own life. He didn't come to build his own business. He didn't come to build his own following. No, John the Baptist came to prepare the way for somebody else. That was his assignment, and he was cool with it. Now, I'm setting the stage for my main point today, but first let's talk about the very next story in the book of John. And this is the one that we looked at a few weeks ago because it's really a beautiful illustration of how grace and truth are supposed to work together. We're talking about the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Do you guys remember that one? Now, last time I showed you the full version of that story from the TV series called The Chosen, and it's just so powerful. I wanted to show it to you again, but this is an abbreviated version. So take a look at the screen because this is just good stuff. I have to give him a second to switch that over.
1: Ha, ha, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there exactly where we're not allowed I'm here to break those barriers and the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father so where am I supposed to go when I need God I've never received anything from God but I couldn't thank him even if I did anywhere God is spirit and the time is coming and is now here That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshipper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. told me everything i've done oh he must be the christ <laughs> hey
0: wait you what There, you forgot your um you know you told me everything i ever did <laughs> you know every story in the bible is so rich in meaning Last time I pointed out how Jesus used grace and truth to reach this woman, to lead her to salvation. But today I want to point out something else. Did you catch the part where Jesus told this woman that she was the first that he had revealed? I saw somebody that you heard that as you, Gail, wasn't it? You're like, ah, and that's what I want to point out today. Get this. He told a woman who was rejected by everybody else first that he was the Messiah. Everything. I mean, that's the most important thing that we all need to know. And that's who he told first. And then she went and told all her friend, friends and family that he was the Messiah, and many believed because of her message. You know, Jesus probably could have accomplished the same thing by walking into that village like a boss and healed people and did miracles and and done it that way. But he didn't choose to do it that way. He chose to use this. He chose to partner with this woman to bring that entire village village the message of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? So instead of doing it by himself. He looked at a woman who most of us would look over. Like if you were going out to hire somebody to work for you, you would not have chosen this woman. But that's who Jesus chose as the first one to preach the gospel. This is a good time to back up a little bit to when Jesus and the disciples were baptizing, like we were just talking about. Because we find out in John chapter 4, verse 2, that Jesus didn't do any of the baptizing. His disciples were doing all of the baptizing. So once again, Jesus could have done it all himself. And they were probably urging him to do so. Jesus, you need to be doing the baptizing. You're the most important one here. And he said, no, disciples, I want you to do all of the baptizing. So let's recap. We have an example of John the Baptist working not to build his own platform, but to prepare the way for Jesus. And then we have Jesus giving away the important job of baptizing to the disciples. He, he, he didn't even baptize one person. He fully entrusted his disciples to carry out that important job. And then Jesus finds an outcast woman to be the first person to go out and share the gospel with her village and lead the village back to Jesus. Like, this is incredible. Back to back to back, these stories are. It's amazing. So now I'm going to turn it over to Jesus to tie it all together for us in a parable, like he always did. So after his conversation at the well with the Samaritan, if we were to continue that story that we just watched, the disciples come in just like they were there, and they're worried about Jesus because Jesus hadn't eaten in a while. And many of us in the room can relate with the disciples right now because if we miss a meal, we might not make it. Right, Beth? Amen, amen. So while they were urging Jesus to eat, Jesus used the opportunity to teach them something, of course, and he said, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And you gotta love these like perplexing one liners from Jesus. He was he was really good at those. You know, he I I like to call him a hook. Like he just said something and you go, What? Then you just kind of lean in to see what else he's going to say. And of course, the disciples responded in, in a way that probably most of us would. What, did he get food while we were gone? Like, did, did we miss something? And I'm sure Jesus had a good laugh at his disciples, you know, making it so practical. But then he explained it to him. He said, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You notice that Jesus had the same mindset as John the Baptist. He wasn't there to elevate himself. No, he was here to do the will of God. He wasn't here to do his work. Nope. He was here to finish God's work. He went on to say, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. So Jesus is comparing farming to salvation, just like farmers have to plant and wait and then harvest. When you're leading somebody to salvation, you plant, you wait, and then you harvest. And he goes on to explain, you know the saying, one plants and another harvest. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Notice he didn't say one plants and the same one harvest. Nope. He said one plants and another harvest. He's making a point that we have to work together to lead people to Jesus. Some are responsible for planting the word of God in the hearts of others. Others are responsible for harvesting by leading them to eternal life. So there you have it in three different ways. We discovered the next thing that we need to know about following the way of Jesus. To follow Jesus, I must pursue partnership. This isn't about me. It's not about you. It's about what we can do together. That is the design of God. And you know, every time we gain clarity on something about following the way of Jesus, it kind of sheds light on Satan's attempts to still kill, and destroy what Jesus wants us to do. This is why there's so much pressure to be more successful than those around you, to be the boss, right? To develop a following. It's because Satan doesn't want us working together. He wants us working for ourselves and focused on ourselves. That is what he's trying to get you to do. Because many of us often think, you know, they, they couldn't do it as good as me, so I'm going to do it. Don't, don't raise your hand. Maybe that one would qualify for more of us in the room, everybody in the room. And I've, I've been there, and all I can tell you about that is that pride comes before a fall. Y'all, God spent literally years, probably more than a decade, trying to get this across to me. Because not too long ago, I was the kind of leader that was doing everything myself because I either thought that I could do it better or I thought that you didn't want to do it anyways. And so I would just do it myself. And you know what that got me? Overwhelmed, burnt out, full of myself, lacking relationships, waterlocks, like I couldn't go any further than I already was, and so I was frustrated. This is what life looks like when you don't pursue partnership with others. That's what it looks like. God designed us to work together. We are the body of Christ. We have we each have a specific function, and it's our duty to discover it and develop it and then bring it together so that we can be complete together. Just like Ephesians 4:16 says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You have a special assignment in the body of Christ. You do David, you do. You have a special assignment. Everybody does. Nate has a special assignment in the body of Christ. And when you engage in your assignment, you help everybody else grow. How cool is that? And when we all engage in our own special assignment, our church is healthy and growing and full of love. Like, we can't do this without you. This can't just be the leaders of the church. This can't just be 50% of the church. This has to be 100% of the church, engaging in their own special work and doing it together. And we can't allow ourselves to be jealous of somebody else's gift. That's another trap. We can't fall into the trap of thinking that some gifts are more important than others, or that my gift is inferior to yours, or any of that nonsense, because every gift is important, every gift is vital. We need you. And if you choose to take a back seat, This church will never accomplish what God intended it to accomplish. It won't. It won't get there without you. But if we all fully engage in our special work, our own special work, and then we bring it all together, this church will accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. That's when it happens. So, some of you in here, you're probably wondering, I don't know what my assignment is. And then there's others in here, you know your assignment. But you're intimidated by it, and so you're neglecting it. So I want to start with those who are struggling to discover your assignment. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. If you're struggling to discern your, just raise your hand. Go, keep it up. Go ahead, Ben. Keep it up. Anybody else? I see some kiddos. Hey, that's cool. The truth is, God has always wanted to reveal it to you. Always. You just haven't been listening yet been open to receiving what he wants to tell you. And I know you're going to receive today, though, because you raised your hand. That means you're ready. And so what we're going to do is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us a word of knowledge and reveal it to us. And when you get a word of knowledge, sometimes it comes as a picture. You see yourself doing something. It's usually really subtle. Sometimes you see a word. Sometimes somebody else reveals to you a word of knowledge. So what we're going to do is I want us to all close our eyes This may come straight to you, Ben, or it may come through somebody else. And if you get a word of knowledge in this place today, I want you to stand up and I want you to go share it, whether it's with Ben or with somebody else. But let's all just say, Holy Spirit, welcome. We receive your gifts. And now let's be quiet. I'm overcome by the power of God. Holy Spirit, have your way. spirit i submit this church to you i consecrate it to you i set it apart for your purposes your plans we're not interested in following our own way or what some other church is doing or what the church growth book says we're not interested in any of that we set our eyes on you you are our guide Use this church for what you've purposed it to be, what you've purposed it to do, to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. You good? Okay. We love you, Lord. And if you've yet to give your life to Jesus, I know I don't have to convince you. That's not my job anyway. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's already talked to your heart, and you may just be sitting there wondering, like, what do I have to do to to get in on this? You believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. That's it. Jesus, I believe in you. He went to the cross. Even before He went to the cross, He took a beating for your healing. And He went to the cross to forgive you of your sins once and for all. He washed you clean. And how you receive that forgiveness is you say, yes, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you did that for me. And whenever you believe in Jesus and you say it with your mouth, just say, yes, I believe in you, Jesus. You're born again. You're made brand new. Thank you, Lord. If that's you and you gave your life to Jesus today, there's a journey that's ahead and you need the family of God with you along that journey. So we'd like for you to let us know. We set up an easy way for you to tell us. You just text us at 918-373-9883 and just say, hey, I gave my life to Jesus today. We'll reach back out to you and walk you through those next steps. Amen. Amen. We all good? Sorry I got snot on my face. It's how it goes sometimes. All right. Well, I don't want to let a week go by without giving you an opportunity to give, because as Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And if you've ever given, you know that to be true. And you know what? Giving with the right attitude is actually what aligns your finances with the kingdom of God. And boy, do I want my finances there. God's economy is generosity. So if you want to participate in God's economy, then you got to be generous. But I don't want you to do it because you feel like you have to. I hope I never make you feel like you have to because I never want to make you feel that way. And I also don't want you to give because you're trying to earn something from God because that's not the right attitude either. You give because you want to be a part of what God's doing here at No Limits. So if you're giving today and you want to give by cash or check, just raise your hands and one of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope. Or you can give online anytime today or throughout the week. And how you do that is you go to nolimits.fyi, kind of like nolimits.com. You just put .fyi. Instead, there's a giving button. You tap that. It'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.